This is a GRDC podcast. What began as an opportunity crop that was only planted after heavy rainfall is now in high rotation across the paddocks of northern Australia. Hi there, I'm Sally Maguire. The humble mung bean is fast growing and a popular export. But what does it take to set up the crop for success? It's a question that's been a key focus for researchers involved in the GRDC Investment on Optimising Mung Bean Yield in the Northern Region, a collaboration with the Queensland Department of Agriculture and Fisheries that's delivering new knowledge on mung bean agronomy to maximise productivity. Anvil Media's Dean Alan Craig caught up with project participant and expert Paul McIntosh from the Australian Mung Bean Association in a lush crop just west of Toowoomba on the Darling Downs. Paul starts by discussing the main growing regions for mung beans. Where do we grow it? Well, we're growing it from uh, basically Griffith right up to the Gulf Country, so that's a fair bit of a spread in when we talk about the northern region. It's it's a lot of northern region where we plant mung beans and grow mung beans successfully. So uh, where do they go? Well, 95% or even more of our mung beans are exported. They love our large, shiny, green, clean mung beans that are going overseas. We just need to be able to produce more so we can satisfy that market. But they do love them overseas, so it's a good crop to grow. Well, if we're preparing our farm for a mung bean crop, what considerations do we have to make in preparation? Because as I understand it, preparation for mung beans is key. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. We talk about our short, quick mung bean crop and we do because they're day degrees driven. So we're talking about 60 to to 90 days from when you plant them to physiological maturity. There's no time to fix up any things that are a problem or issues if you've got it wrong in the first place. So certainly land preparation, certainly land uh, or paddock preparation and and seeing what's going on in that paddock as far as soil tests, as far as herbicides, as far as uh, constraints, soil constraints is a major part of it. And of course, the main thing we really, really do look for for our mung bean paddocks is that full profile of moisture with plant available water content of about 100 to 140 odd millimetres. So important part is the water in the soil, important part is the soil test that tells us what's not in the soil or what's too much in the soil to the detriment of mungies. So a soil test and if you're not sure how to do it or uh, analyse the soil, you can send it away of course to be tested? Yeah, the hardest part of the soil testing is digging the hole and because we've all had plenty of experience with that. These days we have uh, hydraulic rams that do it. <laughs> that makes it a lot easier than, uh, than the old soil corals I used to use years ago. But certainly a soil test uh, is a very handy piece of, uh, of knowledge to have before you plant any crop, but with mung beans even doubly so because, like I said, if you've got some problems in the, in the soil, it's too late to correct them when you plant the mung beans. What sort of nutrition requirements do mung beans need and what are we looking for in that soil profile in the mix of the soil? Nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, zinc, sulphur and probably all the rest of them too. You need them in a nice even balance but they're the key four ones that we talk about there and uh, we need nitrogen because they're a a legume plant and uh, if your inoculation fails because you haven't done it properly they will suck up the nitrogen from other things. We know that to produce a ton to the hectare of mungry, just to produce them, not to take them out of the paddock, just to produce them, we need 60 to 70 kgs of N coming from the soil or from the nodules somewhere into that non-bean plant. So if you're going to grow two ton to the hectare you're probably going to need a lot more nitrogen than 60 or 70, you probably need something like 150, 140 kgs of N from somewhere. So nitrogen is a big part of this, this high-protein crop that we export. And then you've got phosphorus and you've got potassium, also key elements for uh, for root development and also for just the plant uh, successfully growing a nice big crop among those. And what are the problem elements that you are looking out for, things that might be a warning sign perhaps we shouldn't be planting among bean crop? 
There's some physical signs, and obviously everyone's familiar with their own country, but certainly uh, sodium percentage of cations, chloride levels and all that stuff are, are two major ones. And then the other one that's not so obvious is compaction. They're so quick that we need to have everything going right, and that means their roots have been developing down into the soil where the moisture and the nutrients are. So we don't need any compaction. We don't need lots of sodium percentage of cations. We don't need lots of chloride down there to be a problem to stop our roots from growing down from our mung bean crop. And uh, insect control, what are we looking for once that crop's up and growing, plenty of uh, foliage? How do we see what sort of insects are in the crop and, and how do we react? Ah, the humble beet sheet. Some of us, very old blokes, used to use a, a 60 kg wheat bag. Well, you know, we've come on from there a fair bit and uh, we're using the beet sheet. We're just a, a nice big uh, 1.5 metre uh, yellow tarp, basically, with two bits of wood on either end. You just lay it over one row, put it underneath the other and beat the heck out of the row and all the insects will fall out of that one metre, one and a half metres of, of bush onto the beet sheet. And you can identify those insects. You can see them a lot better than just walking through the paddock. So insects are a major thing and that's what we talk about, you know, once a week during the vegetation stays twice a week checking those mung beans in the reproductive stages. Now, cutting to the end game here, what are your tips to growers when it comes to harvest time? I have been responsible saying it's one of the hardest jobs on the farm to be at timing of your desiccation of the mung bean crop. And I usually say it's a decision between the agronomist, the farmer, and sometimes it needs a bottle of rum as well. But it is a tricky sort of a task. You know, we, we unfortunately, a lot of uh, past history has said we need 90% black pod. That is incorrect. That is way too late for our mung beans. We need 90% physiological maturity of the seed inside those pods. The black pod is way too far. So the desiccation timing is an important part for getting the quality of the beans off and getting them off before any rain events cause. So even if you see a, a green pod looking a bit like a pea pod and the and the and the beans inside are plump and green, it's still possibly too early to harvest. Absolutely, and the, and the demonstration I do at all our AMA mung bean courses is by splitting the pot open and turning it upside down. If those seeds fall out of that white scale that's inside our pad nice and easily, that's physiological mature. If they don't fall out from that seed pod when you turn it upside down, that is not physiologically mature, so you really need to wait. So, but as I said, the main thing has been we've been going too late by, by working on that 90% black pod. That's far too late for our mung beans. We need to go earlier. We need to check more. Now, what about the... Um the importance of the Predictor B probe and the Predictor B test. It's part of the soil probe. You can do it yourself. You can do a Predictor B test fairly easily. We've seen it demonstrated here in the mung bean paddocks today. Uh, how important is that? Oh, it's something we wished we had 30 years ago. It's, it's such an important part of, the, of what we... Look, we've developed our knowledge so far over the years and, uh, and, and we know that Predictor B is a really important tool that we're using for all crops, but also particularly for mung bean crops. It's a really important thing for, for assessing some of those uh, nematodes. And you mentioned before the development of nodulation and the capturing of the nitrogen. How do you find out if the plant is developing nodules and where it's getting its nitrogen from? The humble garden fork or even good shovel is a pretty good idea and, uh, of course, washing those roots out after you've dug this entire plant up is a very important part of the of the process or assessing how good your nodulation is going. And of course, we look at those white nodules that are on those roots, hopefully, and then we split them open and see if they're pink or, or well, with my eyes, they look like a bit orange to be wrong, but that pink or orange colour inside those mung, beans, mung bean nodules on the roots suggest that the nodulation process is right. And that's free nitrogen and the price of nitrogen these days, we can do with every bit of free nitrogen we can get. We know that a high protein crop we know that they take a lot of nitrogen to produce that one ton to the hectare or two ton to the hectare we need to make sure that our nodulation is so so well done and it's successful it's not funny otherwise we're going to be short of nitrogen in the legume crop paul how important is the selection of your seed as you decide to sow your mung bean crop 
the uh, AMA has approved seed, uh, but there are others on the market, all different prices. How important is that very starting step? Oh, look, we've used pretty crummy seed for years and, uh, you know, Dad always said the best quality uh, seeds you can get is one of the most important inputs into the farm system. So we've discovered in the AMI many years ago that we've got genetic drift, we get some diseases coming in from different angles like halo blight and tan spot uh, with our mung beans. We know that having a good quality seed scheme that the AMI have called it, an AMI approved seed scheme, minimises the risk of those diseases coming into the crop you're going to plant. So we have a seed crop, it's inspected independently by some uh, gentlemen they say yes or no whether these diseases are present and that way it goes through to the process to say no disease present, no weed seed present. It goes into the seed scheme, it's, it's analysed for vigour and germination, comes up and it's sold to the farmers as the most best quality seed, mung bean seed we have in Australia. It's sold as the most minimalistic of disease that might be apparent and of course we're, uh, we make sure that there's no nasty weed seeds in it like stramonium, like nagura burr, like bathurst, like bladder ketmia and all the other ones that we put up with in this northern region. Just going back to those early stages before you even plant and you're assessing your paddocks and your soil, how important is, is the paddock history, the herbicide history, perhaps the weed load? Do we need to be looking at these things before we go planting? Oh, absolutely. It's something I've been doing for Damn near 40 years now, so it gets away. But certainly previous herbicide history is very important. We know that mung beans are pretty sensitive to some of the uh, the products we use in our wheat crops and our cereal crops like barley and oats as well. And uh, we know that those herbicides can impact on the next crop. And in this case, it's mung beans. Mung beans are pretty sensitive to a lot of our broadleaf herbicides that leave a residual. So we need to be make sure that, uh, that those paddocks that you've used those herbicides on, you've really eclipsed the, uh, the minimum plant back periods that we have on those labels. Just remember, everybody, that those numbers they put on the labels for plant bacteria to your sensitive crops, that's a minimal. It's a minimum number. So, you know, if it's, if it's a plant bacteria to six months, six months and two weeks doesn't guarantee you're going to be out of the woods with herbicides. So be very careful with those herbicide residuals from previous crops on all crops, but mung beans particularly so because they are very sensitive to some of those herbicides that we use to kill broadleaf weeds. Well, what's your uh, general word of encouragement to growers uh, right across the northern region? If they haven't tried mung beans, uh, it's a crop that grows quickly. Um, It's in high demand. Perhaps it's worth considering. Absolutely, but you've got to get all the skittles and the dots in the in the right order, haven't you? You've got to have that land preparation. You should have an AMA accredited mung bean agronomist. I know there's plenty of guys out there who haven't done the course, but they certainly got some experience. But certainly having a good agronomist to go through the steps before you plant the mung beans is an important part of mung bean production. Paul McIntosh, thank you so much for your time, your advice, and, uh, and good luck with your mung beans. Thank you very much. Eat more mung beans, everybody, and uh, come up to the Darling Downs again. was Paul McIntosh from the Australian Mung Bean Association sharing his recommendations for setting up your mung bean crop for success. More information on this topic can be found online at grdc.com.au. I'm Sally Maguire and thanks for listening.